Well, hello and welcome back to the T-Truff Film Buff Podcast. This will be a review of Game of Thrones Episode 4, Season 8, titled The Last of the Starks. And we start right there in Winterfell as we did uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, everyone there is mourning the loss they suffered at the hands of the Night King and the Army of the Dead last week. And um, you, you, you start with the long panning over Jorah's uh, body with, with Daenerys um, crying and even whispering something in his ear. Um, at the beginning of the episode there, you have Sansa crying over Theon and, and even giving him a uh, Stark pin sigil um, type thing, which was, uh, that was a really nice moment, especially, you know, after Bran tells Theon last week that, you know, he's a good man. It's it's really that final straw in the uh, naming of Theon being a, a true Stark in the end, is as much as, as bad as he's done over the last seven or eight seasons and as many people as he's betrayed and even killed Theon eventually you know did turn and, and he was a Stark in the end so that was really nice to see um, you know you also have uh, Lyanna there as John looks over the dead Sam looks over um, a, a past on Ed Dolores Ed um, and that was a really nice way to start the episode, especially with John's speech um, over that as he, you know, says, we will not forget them. Um, no one will ever have uh, been as brave as they are. They are the shields that guard the realms of men. Very nice callback to the, uh, at the, the time at the Night's Watch and, and the Wall. And really, they were all those people who died and everyone who fought in that battle were the Night's Watch in, in the end. You know, as much as Jamie joked to John in the first season about how, um, you know, the Night's Watch is just full of, of rapists and thieves, and, um, you know, all sorts of horrible people. In the end, everyone, who, you know, who survived and everyone who passed on was a member of the Night's Watch in some way. Um, from there, we go to the, the feast in the halls of Winterfell. And um, in a way, I guess you could say it's mirroring the feast and in the first ever episode of Game of Thrones when Robert arrives and um, you have everyone kind of celebrating the king's arrival, very happy feast. And this one's slightly different. It's more of a, a mixed bag. You have many people celebrating with Tyrion, um, you know, celebrating with Jamie, Brienne, and Pod playing a drinking game akin to the drinking game he played with Shay and Bronn back in, I believe it was episode eight or nine. Um, in the first season, um, you also have John and Tormund celebrating as, as Tormund uh, praises John for being able to ride a dragon. Um, you know, Davos is there. Gendry's happy. He wants to see Arya. Of course, you have that little moment with the Hound, which was nice. And uh, you even get to Daenerys uh, naming Gendry Lord of Storm's End, which was a nice moment and also kind of a... I guess you could say some people online have been saying it's more of a meta comment to everyone asking, you know, who who is in charge of Storm's End right now? As you know, Daenerys asks the entire uh, you know, room there, and nobody knows. We haven't been to Storm's End in the show, and God knows. I mean, I don't even know. If, have we ever been to Storm's End? I'm not even sure. I know we were at Dragonstone a lot with, with uh, Stannis, but um, anyway, it's been a while, uh, alas. So. Um, you have Daenerys naming Gendry, which I just mentioned. You have um, John celebrating, and, and really, this comes to the, 
the beginning of the end with Daenerys' run, I, I feel. As you see her looking out in the room and, and everyone else is celebrating, you see her face slowly deteriorate. You see basically all her dreams just wash away in those moments. And, and maybe you're not meant to think that um, while, while she's looking out and seeing everybody else celebrate, but it sure seemed like the beginning of the end, especially because she is she's essentially an absolute loner in the world now um i mean we'll get to the death at the end of the episode but she lost jora she lost masande she lost one two dragons now she's really only got drogon left and i guess gray worm a little bit even john who she you know has had a thing with i guess you could say they're dating if there's such a thing in, in westeros is that but um you know essentially even them they're on you know, not great terms as of this moment. So Daenerys is, is, is a loner to say the least. I mean, there's, there's just not much left for her to fight for, which could either mean, it could either signal her end, her, her defeat. Um, or it could mean maybe she does conquer, uh, King's Landing and she does actually end up sitting on the throne. You, they do give her that happy ending after, um, not been a great season for her so far but i'm not one of those people who is against danny and um you know who's calling for her head and saying she's the mad queen and and hey i mean it's not that sansa's being much nicer or less cold anyway i mean i daenerys has had a tough time on the the interwebs or say of her being too cold the last season and a half or so um to everyone she comes across and saying you know you gotta bend the knee or else i'm not gonna fight your war whatever it's been um but sansa's the same way she she's you know and maybe she's justifying it by saying it's all for the starks and that she doesn't trust anybody who's not a stark because of what she's been through but i mean they they could each kind of budge a little bit in their own way i mean it they they do it for dramatic effect on the show but in reality realistically they should both be budging just a little bit and not as cold towards each other um and, and so back to the the feast and the um you know that the great hall and and sort of a celebration you have a scene with the hound and sansa which was a nice touch especially since we have not seen them together on screen i believe it has been since um since blackwater since the the hound leaves the 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 battle blackwater and goes to sansa's room and you know proposes that that he'll take her north to winterfell he'll take her home of course in that moment they both don't not really know that theon's the one holding winterfell at that moment but um, excuse me still uh that i love that he references back to that moment he says you know this you never would have gone through what you went through if, if if you would have come with me little bird you know um and and you knew that Sansa was going to react this way. You knew she was going to say something along the lines of, "If I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't be here now. I wouldn't be the woman I was now." And that makes perfect sense. And I, I do think you know she was on her way in season two to being um, more of a, a strong, independent, um, more mature woman in her way. She's she she threw a couple of lines of Joffrey here and there during season two. Oh, of course, my my. My queen, I know you'll be on the battlefield. You know, my brothers. She's she's throwing those those little lines in there. You know, she's smarter than than she lets on, especially, you know, more than season one. That's for sure. 
Um, so that that was a nice scene, and I, I really enjoyed that, um, especially with with all the scenes we've had with Arya and, and the Hound so far. That was nice that we got that moment with with Sansa and the Hound. But I guess that does lead to the two romantic-ish scenes that that happened in the episode, and that was between Brienne and Jaime, and then um, right after John and, and Daenerys. Um, of course, they both go different ways. John and Danny kind of end their scene in, in an argument after Daenerys pleased to, to John that he not tell anybody about his true parentage and heritage um I guess that's it shouldn't be surprising that that's what Daenerys wants you see it in her face you see how powerful Amelia Clark's acting is in that moment that she desperately wants John to not say anything um to, to anybody else even though John you know as much as he's not Ned Stark's son he absolutely is Ned Stark's son and he's too honorable he's too honest um He's too loyal to his family to not say anything. He has to sell. He has to tell Sansa um, and Arya. Uh, but but that just makes that scene more complicated. I guess you could say it even makes it more devastating that that that's those are those that's those two characters that it it's like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, right? You you can't really much like I was saying earlier that Sansa should budge and and Daenerys should should budge one way or another. John and Daenerys, they're too stubborn. They're not gonna they're not gonna do that. But going back to Brienne and Jamie, of course, this has been something in the works for years. Everybody has wanted this. Um, even when it started to happen when they got in the room together and they didn't have any of their armor on, I'm like, are they are they really are they doing this? Or are they finally gonna consummate their relationship as much as you know, you kind of feel like it's more of a respectful love that they have for each other rather than a romantic love. Uh, maybe on Brienne's end, it's more of an unrequited love, I guess you could say. Um, but but I do love I do love that scene with Brienne and Jamie, um, and and uh, you know what comes after with those two. Again, much like Daenerys and John, makes it that much more devastating. So. Um, well, I guess I guess I should probably go back to the slightly other romantic scene if we're on that subject already, with uh, you know Gendry after he gets named Lord of Storm's End, he you know goes to Arya and says, "I want you to be the, the, my lady. I want you to to be right there with me when I'm you know uh, ahead of Storm's End." And of course, it's a brilliant callback to season one. Uh, I believe it's the pointy end episode i can't remember if that's the one in season one that it's titled that but the the conversation that ned and Arya have um while she's kind of or before she kind of goes through the the training with cereal pharrell about how <coughs> excuse me that that she that he you know will one day marry her off and you'll have many children and you'll have a, a respectful husband that will um, give you a great life and you know that's the same thing she says back to Gendry is that you know that's not me I'm not a lady I never have been I never will be same sort of call back there as well as when Nymeria comes back last season and Arya wants her to come back to Winterfell um, same thing she tells Nymeria uh, that's not you, you know, I shouldn't be asking you to come back that's not you you're you're with your pack of wolves now so I really do how love I love all the callbacks this season to mostly season one uh, some season two and, and others as well but I love the the, the one to eight callbacks here it's it's, uh, it's really coming into its own this season so um, uh, moving on uh, after the sort of battle plan scene the 
of course there's always at least one battle plan scene of every episode this season right um you do have uh, you know john after Arya tells John, you know, we, we need a word with you, it kind of had a feeling this was going to be the scene, right? You already had John telling Daenerys that he had to tell his sisters, well, this this has to be the scene. Um, and, and it, of course, is when John eventually gets to, to con- I guess you could say, confess um, his true heritage to his sisters, finally, after all this time. Excuse me. And... Uh, I love the way it plays out. I didn't at first, I have to admit. I, I really wanted to see Arya and Sansa's reaction the first time I watched it. Um, but after watching it a second time and, and sitting through or sitting with it uh, for a while, uh, I, I, I like the way that they didn't they didn't need to give you their immediate reaction. You've already had Daenerys' immediate reaction. You've already had Jon's immediate reaction um, to the news of, of Jon being the, the son of Lyanna and Rhaegar. You don't necessarily need Sansa and Arya to um, to react to the same thing we've heard over the last couple of weeks. Um, so cutting away after you know John tells Bran, go ahead and tell him. Uh, it, it does make sense in, in retrospect, especially now that you look back at uh, the scene shortly after with Sansa and, and Tyrion. And you knew, you knew that Sansa was going to say something. There was no way she was going to sit with that information, being who she is. And you can't blame her. That's just, that's who she is. She wants her family to be at the top. And she wants Jon to rule. She wants her to be the wardeness of the North. Um, But, of course, she ends up telling Tyrion. And, of course, that's off screen as well. But that's another nice scene with um, Tyrion and Sansa there, and you know, what if somebody, what if there's somebody better? Um, but I do love Tyrion kind of going at Sansa, and like you, you seem d- determined to hate Daenerys, and that's absolutely what I've been saying. As much as I like Sansa and Daenerys, they've both been a little cold to each other, but that's like I said, that's their characters. Um, I kind of forgot to bring up Bronn, so I guess I'll jump back a little bit to when Bronn shows up. Um, the scene with Tyrion and Jaime kind of talking about um, what uh, him and and Brienne, you know, went through. They they finally consummated their relationship, and um, I love that that moment there with with Tyrion. Say, I, I love that I can make tall jokes now. I love that you have to finally climb for it. Uh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And I don't know if that was some sort of ad lib or that was an actual. Um, you know, lying in the script, but the, that's great writing, great acting all around in that scene. But but then a Bron does show up, so so he and I, I've seen some people say this online, and I kind of do tend to agree with them that the, the Bron stuff does kind of feel a little separate. It's like how I thought I was going to feel about the Iron Island stuff this season because I thought Theon was going to have to do he was going to have to be separate from everybody else for a couple episodes, but they got through. Um, Theon saving Yara real quick in the first episode. So you kind of figured, you kind of hoped that the stuff with Bronn was going to be resolved in an episode or two. It's gone on for a couple of weeks. Um, and it, it, you're just not really sure where they're going to go with it. It almost feels like they didn't really have much for Bronn to do this season, considering he's not a soldier. He's not somebody, you know, that's going to fight a, a war um he's he'll do something for money he'll do something for for fame but he's not going to be fighting the great war he's not going to more than likely be involved in next week's the last war um 
he does everything for money and fame so i guess what they wanted to do if they didn't have anything for the actor jerome flynn to really do this season is that they kind of wanted to throw a wrench in everybody's predictions about him and uh you know have the the whole scenario where he's i guess going out to kill Tyrion and jamie i mean i i certainly felt the tension in that episode he he was he was way more villainous in that scene that he's ever been on the show so it was definitely unsettling uh, to say the least for a little bit uh, of that scene I felt I felt the tension certainly um, but you knew that Jamie had to see Cersei one more time you knew that Tyrion wasn't going to go down at the hands of Bronn it just didn't seem it didn't seem right so that scene was nicely handled if they had to have it I just don't know that that whole storyline is ultimately necessary at this point um, but so then you kind of start to get to the point of the episode where everybody starts leaving Winterfell and we haven't even gotten to anything in King's Landing yet at that point. So, you know, after they kind of have their plans, you say John's going to take the King's Road, Daenerys is going to fly there to, from Dragonstone and um, everybody else is going to sail there from Dragonstone. Um, so you have all the, essentially the goodbyes, whether, whether or not they're the last goodbyes, um, I thought it was pretty telling that Dan and Dave and after the episode said that this this episode was all about the chance for our characters to f- say one last goodbye. Um, and of course, they were actually referencing the opening of the episode when they're all saying goodbye to the, the, the dead characters in the show. But I, I think you can kind of take that both ways and, and take that as um, there most of them or some of them are kind of saying goodbye for good. I can't imagine that that goodbye that John gives Sam and Gilly and, and also Torment um, is just like a, oh, we'll see you in a couple episodes goodbye. That's like a final, we're probably never going to see a goodbye. And I have to admit, I mean, that was that was pretty emotional seeing John, um, you know, hug Sam and of course, you know, give Gilly a hug as well and then realize, oh, well, she's pregnant as well. And they're going to name your kid, their kid after you, which was a nice touch as well. Um, but, but that was, that was, I mean, it's been eight seasons, John and Sam, they, you know, there was a couple seasons there where they were not together, but for the most part, they've always been, um, you know, brothers, um, of the Night's Watch. So, uh, that, that was certainly, certainly powerful to see. Um, and of course I have to mention the fact that John does not actually say goodbye to ghost dude. The guy was on the front lines. He got half his ear torn off. He's definitely beat up. Go at least pet the dog before you send him off with Tormund. That's not cool. I mean, come on, man. I was being a dog person. That was that was that was upsetting. Um, and of course, you could make the case. Well, the Starks have a special connection with their their dire world, so it's almost like a psychic type of thing. They can feel what they're feeling, which is why Ghost woke up before John did. Um, when John came back to life, um, but but still, you you gotta say goodbye to Ghost. I that 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 definitely ticked me off. But um, finally, after all of that, after all, everybody says goodbye. Everybody kind of gets uh, you know what's off their chest, what's off what's off their chest. Um, we go to the final twenty minutes or so of the episode, which were nothing short of spectacular tension. Um, really game of thrones at its best um i don't i wasn't a huge fan of the way they took out Rhaegal. it was shocking surprising and devastating to see him go down without really any 
uh, moment's notice, but I just feel like, wh- why is Daenerys flying out there in the open um, with her dragons? It, it just seemed like there could have been a better tactic to that. Um, but certainly, they were setting up, you know, Euron to, of course, keep, there's another dragon dying now, so he gets he gets to claim that death, as well as more than likely, he's going to be taking out Drogon next week, or somebody is. I don't know who will be, but I can't imagine Drogon surviving the entire, uh, you know, next couple of episodes. But um, see, so, so you have all the tension there. She loses the dragon. They kind of recoup and they go back to Dragonstone. Um, kind of you know, talk about some things. Tyrion and Varys have their inspiring against the throne or against their queen, I guess. Um, more than likely that scene is, is going to get Varys killed next week. I can't imagine Varys survives um, after Daenerys warned him last season, don't ever go behind my back. And yeah, sure, Varys told her that this whole thing was a bad idea to her face in this episode. But pff, come on. The guy's going down. I, I thought somebody was going to walk in on that scene right there and, uh, and and call him out and then send him to the queen and she was going to, Daenerys was going to kill him. But more than likely, that will be next week's episode. Um, but wow, when they finally do get back to King's Landing on foot in what is one of the smallest armies we've ever seen on the show with the lack of the Unsullied and Dothraki there um, and just kind of standing outside the walls of... of King's Landing, which is definitely a new uh, CGI slash green screen, green screen slash set that they have on the show. I don't think we've ever seen that uh, side of, of King's Landing before. But um, wow! So you have you know Masande standing in front of Cersei, Kyburn, the mountain. Of course, Kyburn comes down, meets uh, meets Tyrion. They have a little hand discussion if you will both being hand of the queens um and i, I love the Tyrion just like oh, i'm not gonna get it. i'm not getting anywhere with kyber and i'm just gonna go walk up there myself uh again maybe not maybe not uh setting up the or going through with the Tyrion redemption i was predicting last week but he's certainly being more brave he's kind of taking a um you know a, a more hands-on approach this these last couple of episodes um, since he was down there in the crypts uh, last episode. So I, I loved seeing him just walk on up there, be ballsy about it, just go right up there and, and plea with Cersei as much as he can um, to try and stop this, if not for her, if for the baby, which in that moment, Euron should just immediately, something should go off in his mind that says, well, how would Tyrion know about this if it's my baby? Because they've only been sleeping with each other for what a week or two and Tyrion wouldn't know that unless there was some sort of spy involved in the inside of of the castle but more than likely he should know at that point well maybe it's actually Jamie's kid and not my kid and Euron should say something but Euron's probably you know not the smartest guy um as we've seen just just a maniac a psychopath if you will but um so at that point, you know, when, when Cersei, you think that maybe she's doing something, she puts up her hand, she closed her hand, you, she's not going to shoot Tyrion at that moment, which they probably could have taken out the entire army with Daenerys and the dragon right then and there. They had a bunch of scorpions pointed at them, so more than likely could have, but they didn't. Um, Cersei wanted to make a show of it and chop off Masande's head, 
wow, yikes. That was shocking to say the least, especially because I figured that Grey Worm was going to be the one to go first. I didn't think it was going to be Masande or, you know, maybe not both, maybe not either of them, maybe both of them, but I didn't think Masande would be the one to go first. That was, that was pretty shocking. Um, and again, just adds to how alone Daenerys really is um, in the world. And as Maester Aemon once said back in, I believe it was season one, uh, when he was talking about Daenerys to Jon Snow, he said, uh, a Targaryen alone in the world is a terrible thing. And that's that's very telling of um, the entire show's run, but, but really this episode in particular, and, and more than likely the next two. Wow. Okay. So that, that that's the end of the episode. But um, you know, next week we have Miguel Sapochnik coming back after a week off. Um, he's going to direct the uh, next hour and twenty installment of the show, as well as the finale will be an hour and twenty as well, directed by the showrunners um, David Benioff and T.B. Weiss. Um, but but as far as prediction goes, I, I'm I'm curious because I didn't make many predictions for this week's episode because I was so wrong on so many of the Battle of Winterfell things, I figured, what's the point of making all these predictions if they're really gonna not going to turn out to be anything? And I'm glad I didn't really make any predictions because this episode went so many different directions I did not expect it to go, um, many different elements and, and curveballs I did not expect to be thrown in there. Um, but as far as, I'll, I'll predict the deaths, I guess. I figured next week's episode will be the the biggest death toll. I can't imagine the finale kind of holding a candle to it, but as far as official deaths go, I believe it's Varys' time to go. I mean, as I said, he's he's already conspiring against the Queen at this point. More than likely, this will be the episode for him to go. Um, Grey Worm, after he lost Masande, he's going to go off. I'm sure he's going to kill dozens of people, but he'll probably die trying um, you gotta assume that Kyburn's gonna go with all of that as well. Um, and then it kind of comes to the, the bigger characters. You have the Clegane Bowl presumably happening with Arya involved in some way, shape, or form. No, excuse me, not sure how that um, will play in. Maybe Arya tries to hit, take out the mountain while the Hound is, is down and out, and then the Hound saves Arya, dies doing it and also kills the mountain so kind of both Clegane's go out I, that could be a possibility more than likely it's not going to go down the way I predict but that's that's kind of where my head's leaning at this moment and then you have the Lannisters Daenerys and Jon where do they factor in all this how many of them survive going into the, the final episode with the big five um, still alive I, I would imagine that most of them if not all of them are alive until like maybe the first couple of moments of the last episode and then they either execute Cersei or maybe Daenerys or Jon or dying on a bed that they all get they get to say their final goodbyes maybe I don't know I don't know how it works that seems too happy of an ending for Thrones right you, typically you don't get those goodbyes even though this week did give us some needed um, goodbyes all around but I guess you could throw in Drogon to that list as well. Does they do they kill off the dragon? The episode the, before last, I mean, you have Bran's vision of, of seeing the dragon fly over King's Landing all the way back in season six. You got to assume that that's going to happen. We're going to see that point um, in the show this week. <sighs> wow. Okay. So a lot of a lot of things happening. A lot of things. A lot of people going to die next week. Uh, maybe the throne goes down. Maybe that's. 
burnt to a crisp. Maybe Drogon takes out the throne. I don't know why Daenerys would make him do that, but you don't know. I, I'm not going to make any more, more predictions. There's really no point, um, especially with all the curveballs they threw this week. But that's the episode. That's the show. That's the podcast. Until next time, thanks. Thanks.